Mandel, and today special guest with me, Tyler Bassu. I'm gonna call him. He doesn't. He didn't want this necessarily, but I think he's a content marketing genius, right? And the co-founder of Influence Studio, which is a, a whole whole different setup for how to really leverage the brilliance that you're sharing online and get the most reach out of it, the most pull from it, and then turn it into really warm conversions. So, Tyler, thanks for hopping on the show. Thank you, sir. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, I'm inspired by what you've been doing, man. So, uh, yeah, grateful to be on. Man, I, I appreciate that. So I'd like to start every episode that's an interview like this with the exact same same question, right? You've been, your story, which I can't wait to unpack for everybody, but right, you're in this entrepreneurial space. You're, yep. you're a co-owner, you're a founder of a business. And by the nature of that, we, you probably learned a couple of things along the way as it pertains to business, either in jumping into that startup or getting through the first year or two. If you were going to share one lesson that you know that somebody needs to hear, like that one thing of like, man, if I knew this, I could have saved myself a bunch of money, time, energy, headache, whatever it is. What would that message be, Tyler? Well, the, I, I found that the thing that wastes the most time and energy and resources and effort and all that is, uh, is trial and error. Um, so if you can just find someone that's done that you wanted, what you want to do. Uh, just get the shortcut from them and get the coaching, like buy their course, buy their thing, whatever they got. Uh, that helped me. You know, I just found people that were ahead of me and learned from them. And that's, that's been, if there is a shortcut, that's been the closest thing to a shortcut for me. Yeah, I, I love that. I love that. And right, both of us offering some sort of coaching, mentoring, consulting, right? I mean, essentially, that's what we do in our own capacities, right? It's, I find that it's so almost easy to get ahead if you're just willing to extend your hand and like ask for help. Like there's a bunch of people that want to help all of yeah. us grow. Yeah, I don't know where that comes from, man. Why so many people avoid asking for help? I am like so happy happy to ask for help. If I get help, I'm grateful for it. Whether it's free help or I paid for it, it doesn't matter. Like help 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 is help, you know? Yes. So I resist it. A hundred percent true. So right, Tyler, what I'm fascinated about is really what you do. Because I think there's I believe in an organic strategy, right? As I help other really my kind of the niche that I've worked my way into is helping coaches, mentors, and consultants get their, get their business to north of seven figures. And everybody wants the shiny box, I call it, right? Like it's, they're all one funnel away. They all think it's going to be super quick and simple to make their first million dollars or whatever it is. And it's like, man, there's all these, yeah. I can get almost anybody to 20 or 30 grand a month without ever running an ad kind of period. Like I, I you don't necessarily need a quote unquote to me, click funnels account to get there knowing what you know right like i'm not i'm not, I'm like a, a peon in this marketplace as far as repurposing content but you have this whole system that you've built where you're able to take yeah. let's say this this podcast interview right we're recording it person that's listening might not know that right as you're tuning in where we're Tyler and i are chatting via zoom let's say we wrap this up there's some sort of brilliant nugget that you know that you say i give it to you tyler walk us through what you what would you do with this like what what are all the different positioning pieces that you could get from just a little piece of video content like this. Yeah. So what we're touching on here is, uh, is repurposing. Uh, that's the term for it. It's to take one piece of the content and to kind of chop it up and turn it into other types of content for other platforms. Um, and the reason why I believe so strongly in that just as a strategy or as a tactic for helping to grow your business is that if you've spent all these years, like learning your expertise and you know, you've got something really valuable to say, and you, you say it in one form, whether that's a podcast or a video or an article, whatever, if that 
if that content, that message that you just shared, if that really does help somebody, um, it shouldn't just exist in one format because the way that people consume content is totally varies across the board, right? Not everybody reads an article. Not everyone has figured out how to subscribe to a podcast yet. Not everyone is, is going over to YouTube. So you kind of got to figure out based on who your target audience is and what platforms they're giving their attention to, um, to ensure that your content gets the most amount of reach. You got to repurpose it into the formats that, that your, your target audience is going to enjoy. So going back to your question, we could take this podcast episode, for example. Uh, let's say we chat for 30 minutes. Um, maybe we pull a transcript from that and we realize we have a few thousand words of, of, of content to work with here. Um, well, we could pull some quotes out of that and create some of those nice you know, image quotes for social media. We could even pull just short audio clips of this interview and then share some of those clips online. Um, we could give the whole thing to a writer and say, hey, can you produce like a really cool guide or a long, you know, a long article and with the top tips that was shared from this episode. And we put that on your blog or we send it as a guest post to another publication. Like we've got a, a list of about a half a dozen ways that we can take any piece of content and turn it into other types of content. Um, this is something Gary V does very well. I'm sure your audience is familiar with Gary Vaynerchuk. You know, he's got a whole team inside of his agency that their job is just to take the video that's recorded each day because he's got a videographer following him around and repurpose the heck out of that stuff um, so that he's just got like, you know, he's probably up to hundreds of pieces of content per week now going out across uh, multiple platforms. So he's an extreme example, but even if you just did a little bit of that, um, that's quite a bit more than what most folks are doing with their content. Well, yeah, I, I love the fact that you're sharing this, Howard, because it's actually one of the right foundational elements of what I train people on. That I don't know if I've ever shared this out loud. It's not because I'm trying to keep something from you as you're listening. I just, it hasn't dawned on me, right? But I believe in trying to call it, you know, holding your own digital real estate. So there's, I can't see any reason in this day and age not to have your own Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, LinkedIn, yeah. and even podcasts, right? Blog, kind of all. You might as well just hold it all. And what most people say is, I don't have time to create all that stuff, right? Like. Yep. I don't know how to create something for each platform. And so for me, because I like speaking, right? I create 15 or 20 minute podcast episodes. I have two or three cameras in the office. I look at the different cameras, right? All that gets downloaded to a Dropbox and it gets sent to some magic faraway land in which it comes back yeah. and there's little micro clips for Insta stories. There's wall posts for Instagram. There's a YouTube thing. There's transcription. Literally what Tyler is saying, except instead of having to have a whole team like I have, right? Of, Overhead that's inevitably far too expensive, right? <laughs> Tyler has created a streamlined system and process. He's going to hear this, man, when they go to when they were edited and stuff. <laughs> yeah, no, and I, I love them, right? I'm not looking to replace them, but right there's just, yeah, this yeah. is one of those things that to me as an entrepreneur, I always get myself in the trouble of, hey, I'm just going to bring it all in house, and it's not efficient, right? You've got a system and a process that obviously works very, very well where someone can reach out to you that's yeah. right doing what I'm doing and say, Look, can you do all this stuff for me? Because I don't want to hire a copywriter, a videographer. Uh, like, there's all these pieces, all these layers. Yeah, yeah. There's. A, I mean, if you just take, I mean, digital marketing has become a very broad world now. It's full of all these specialties. So even within those specialties, you've got content marketing, and even within content marketing, you've got these different skill sets of somebody that maybe does the research, somebody that creates the content, somebody that edit it, edits it or publishes it, somebody that promotes it, and somebody that packs all the results. That's like five different skill sets right there. Um, 
So you do have the option of, you know, you go and five, you find five free, then you've basically just become the project manager or the content manager for all of these freelancers. And if you're the CEO, you're the entrepreneur, um, you stepping into the role of project manager or content manager, that's going down in value on your time when you should be going up in value on your time. But you can, I mean, you can do it in house. If you've got the resources, you can have an in-house marketing team. You can uh, outsource it to an agency or to freelancers. But it, the important thing here is that it's not you that's doing it. Like in your case, you just shared, you know, you, know, you are great at creating these podcast episodes. That's a sweet spot for you. That's a good use of your time. But everything that happens afterwards is not you personally doing it because you need to protect your time. If you didn't start doing all that other stuff, what happens with like client fulfillment and partnerships and, you know, strategy, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yes, that stuff starts to suffer. Certainly does. And right, this will even, right, real quick, Tyler, if someone's listening and they're interested in connecting with you, right, I know this is piquing some interest and curiosity, just the way this works. How can somebody get a hold of you? Um, just go to uh, my, if you search for my name, Tyler Bassley, I'm the only guy with this name. So you can find me on social pretty easily. Um, if you're interested specifically in like content marketing uh, services, and uh, just go to influenceandscale.com. We got some free training and some resources there for you. That's excellent. That's excellent. And I also, right, believe maybe, well, this is just what it is. I believe in the global economy right now. So I live in the U.S. So the dollar has certain value in different markets, right, that allows us to really leverage our strength. You might not be able to tell from Tyler, but he does not live in the continental United States, right? He's in Canada. And so unless something has changed, the U.S. dollar is actually a little bit stronger in Canada. I get a little more reach for for my, my dollar bill in my hand. Which means if you, yeah. if you engage with Tyler, right, like, and I have no idea what Tyler's services cost. I don't know if that's even appropriate in this moment, but I believe there's something to be said for finding people with Tyler's skill set or other skill sets on a global basis, right? Like for me to, inevitably, I know what I pay to have things done domestically versus when I figure out outsource models. And it's almost yeah. always cheaper if I leverage global. Well, that's the beauty of, of, of the age we live in, man, is the technology we have available to us. Like my whole fulfillment team all works from home. Um, they're from all over the world. Um, half our clients are Canadian, but the other half are like American. Uh, and it, you know, it just, it's, it's, a, it's just a great time we live in, man, to be able to work with and connect with people all over the place and not be limited to uh, whatever city we're in. Like there's folks that live in the middle of nowhere that like they have these great businesses, man. And, with big teams, uh, because everybody's like working remotely, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So Tyler, I'm always curious though, right? It's, I would like to say you were born somehow with like plugged into the matrix and you knew content marketing and you just came out and it's always been your life. But I have a feeling you've probably grown your skill set over a period of time. Will you walk us backwards oh, yeah. through when this, like how this has progressed for you? Yeah, for sure. Um, it, it's been a lot of trial and error. Uh, I didn't like come out of school knowing what I wanted to do. So I, I basically took whatever job I could get. Um, started in sales, actually. Started in door-to-door sales. Um, so I used to knock on doors six days a week, selling TV, internet, home phone across Canada. I did that for 18 months straight. Um, just because I figured if I wanted to be in business, I should probably learn how to sell. And if I didn't know how to sell, then um, I, I wouldn't be able to like actually contribute to the revenue of any of any business, right? So I learned I learned sales first. That was the first skill set I got to add to my tool belt. Um, then I went from doing door to door sales to um, working in real estate, selling for developers, selling like new townhomes and condos and stuff. So in that world, I worked out of a presentation center where there 
was a marketing department that helped get people to the presentation center. And then I was just a salesperson they talked to when they got there. So that was when I started to appreciate marketing more because I realized that marketing was what brought people to me that were like already interested. And I didn't have to go door knocking and, you know, talk to 50 people to find one that, that was interested. Um, but it was while working in real estate that I started paying, paying attention to online marketing, started listening to podcasts, um, buying online courses and creating content. So I, I started my first podcast, I think it was 2013. Um, started blogging a lot, uh, wrote a couple of ebooks on Amazon. And that was how, that was like the first dollar I ever made online was the ebook royalty from Amazon. Um, so I just, I did that on the side up until 2015. And then I decided, you know what? I like this content marketing stuff more than I like, uh, selling real estate and, you know, working every weekend, working every holiday in a, in a presentation center. I think I, I want to do the online stuff instead. So um, I quit real estate in 2005, jumped into content marketing full-time. Uh, shortly after that, ended up working as content manager for a startup, helped them grow, brought in tens of thousands of customers, um, you know, with, without ads, without salespeople, just all content marketing and organic marketing, word of mouth type stuff. Um, and then I left that role to start the agency with a partner that I have now. Uh, so it was very gradual, man. It was it was beginning as a hobby, doing it for free, producing hundreds of con pieces of content for free, um, just to hone that skill set. And then when I realized, hey, if I did this for other businesses and help get them more attention and get them more leads, that's something I could actually charge for. Uh, and so that was how I was able to leave real estate was by figuring out how to do content marketing for other businesses. Well, I love so much of that story, Tyler, because what I find to be a fascinating phenomenon from, from my perspective is everybody wants to right, jump in and just magically be the best at this new thing. And whatever the new thing is for you, whether it's your first opportunity in network marketing business, whether you want to jump into coaching, whether it's right health, I want to be a personal trainer, I don't care. None of this is, I love that entrepreneurial spirit. More power to you. If you want to run to it, you got to start. But the right, what Tyler's sharing is the same thing I I believe is a necessary component of the most successful people. And that's you spend time honing your skills for next to nothing, or even sometimes literally for free, like you're practicing and then you start to get the confidence. Technically at a loss, like, because I'm spending my own money to, to do it. Right. So yeah. I, you know, I'm, I'm at a loss for the first few years while I'm learning the skill set. Well, absolutely. Right. But then, yeah when you figure out how that feels and how it works and how those pieces go together and you start getting that positive feedback of like, man, you're really good at this title. Like this is, this is incredible. Have you ever thought about charging for this? It's like, mm -hmm. it's almost like to me, it was like lightning struck. It's like, man, that's, I can get paid to do this stuff. Like, I'll absolutely. Right. Yes. I, yes. I'm going to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Like you're going to pay me to do the thing I was willing to do for free. Yeah. Right on. Good deal. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Right. So there's just never, I don't know of a shortcut that it gets us through having to go through doing the work prior to getting paid really what we, I'll say what we're worth or what we're able to get paid. Right. I mean, it's, yeah. there's no substitute for that. At least not that I know. of. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it, it, it's kind of funny watching this. Um, I, I'm, I'm a millennial and I forget what's the generation after me. What are they called? Uh, whatever they are, they're born 
whatever the one I know people rag on the millennials, but I like to rag on the ones that are younger than me because these are like the 20 year olds that are saying that they're that are starting their own agencies and they took a Facebook ad course and now they're Facebook marketing experts and there's thousands of them now. Uh, and they're in for a rude awakening, man, because they're, you know, if, if you just put a couple of weeks into learning your skill set, now you want to go charge people. Um, they're basically paying you to learn because you haven't really learned yet. Um, and I think you got to learn on your own dime for a while before you go and learn on somebody else's dime and screw that up. Because if you screw that up, um, what you've really done is, is, is wreck your reputation. You know, if, if you're screwing thing, screwing up the work that you're doing for others, um, word starts to spread, you know, and then you're going to have to constantly f find ways to convince new people to work with you because you're losing the ones that you're not doing a good job for. And that's just like a never ending. That's a really bad cycle to be in, you know, so it's better to just like test your skill on yourself first, you know, get some results for yourself first, or go be willing to work for free or apprentice for somebody or do, you know, get somebody else a result just so you get the case study and the proof that you can actually help someone before you go out there and, and start trying to charge high ticket prices for something that you, you, you literally just like started doing last week. I love that. I love it. Look, I, let's talk about pricing for a second, right? And this isn't necessarily the nitty gritty pieces and parts of it, but when you came out of the shoot, right? When you first, got your first client that said, yeah, I'm, I want to, I want to pay. I see the value. I'm going to pay for you. How has your, has your pricing model changed or has it been statistic, you know, stagnant the entire time? Has it grown and evolved? Uh, it's, I've changed my prices like four times, uh, just in like the last six months. Right. It's constantly changing. Um, and not only is like, um, just the, like the base price for certain deliverables changing, but we're adding like performance based, um, pricing to some of our proposals lately so that, you know, we've got our, there's a base just to cover like the hard costs of creating certain content and paying our team and so on. But if our goal is lead generation, uh, we want to be able to grow with our clients so that we're not constantly chasing more and more and more clients. We'd rather just be able to make more with the ones that we have. And, and so we, I just recently learned the way to do that is like by adding performance based pricing. But um, yeah, like, I would say that I, we undercharged in the beginning, the first couple of clients we brought on board. So first of all, I, and I'll even preface this by saying, like, I pre-sell everything. I, I don't commit to anything unless I know for sure somebody's willing to pay for it now. I've just become kind of risk adverse as an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. um, so when, when I first started this agency, we were doing, um, the very first clients we worked with, we were doing webinar builds for them, one-time projects. Uh, but then, then, then I started to realize that selling webinars is becoming a harder and a harder sell because they're, they're harder and harder to make them work in a lot of markets. And a lot of people are just tired of hearing about webinars. So I, so then I said, well, okay, I got to figure out a different offer then. If I'm not getting very good traction with this, let's try something else. So I, so I posted on social. And I said, Hey, we're thinking of doing a content marketing thing where, you know, if you we will take whatever content you have, we'll repurpose it. We'll help you promote it. We'll help you grow your audience, that kind of stuff that got some traction. But the first few clients um, I told them, Hey, like you, you guys are the first clients for this. Like, this is a brand new service. Um, I got to make, you know, so I'm going to give you really good pricing, uh, uh, the best pricing I can, uh, just to make, just to, so that I can build this out. Cause I'm going to have to train my team to like do this for you. Um, so those first couple of clients that we worked with, we might've even lost a little bit of money on, um, maybe we broke even at best. Um, but that's okay because I validated an offer. I figured out what my costs were to fulfill on that offer. And so for the next handful of clients, the price went up 
a bit and there was and there was some profit margin there um but yeah i i don't believe in like uh picking a price and sticking with it like i think it should be fluid i think as the as the value of what you provide goes up as your fulfillment goes up your support goes up as you get better at what you do the, the price uh, the prices should go up 100 percent, right I'm, I'm glad that's i'm i'm Truly glad I didn't walk myself into a bear trap there, Tyler. I was hoping that's what you'd say. I feel like we're on the same wavelength, but it's sure. it's one of the things, right? I get to sit back and, and bear witness to so often is like the question of, well, what should I charge? And every time for me, it's, you know, how many reps do you have? What are your biggest success stories? What's your biggest failure? Right? How does this really look in totality? Let's look at the total body of your work. I don't care what somebody else is charging, right? I'd like, yeah. I have no idea what other content marketers charging. I really don't care for me personally. It's, Look, here's, here's the upside potential for me. I expect to pay a percentage of the upside potential, right? Like it's all based around the quality of problem you're solving. And if my services and if my services are a hundred thousand dollars service, yep. and you tell me you can get me, you know, five qualified leads. I don't know that I'd really bother. It wouldn't bother me to spend 20 grand, right? That's kind of like normal. Well, and, 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 and one thing I've learned about pricing as well is that, um, you can often change your pricing without even uh, without having to change the offer or the deliverables or the service itself. Sometimes changing your pricing just changes who your target market is because you can solve like, l l let's take like a health and fitness example. You know, let's say you help somebody lose, uh, I don't know, lose some weight and you, you maybe charge a low price for that. Okay. Well, that's the outcome you help somebody with. You help them lose weight and you're starting at a low price point. Well, what kind of person pays the low price point? Probably the person that's a little bit less committed, a little bit finicky, a little bit price sensitive, trying to get, trying to get the good deal um, might not be an ideal client for you. Whereas you take that same problem of helping somebody lose weight, but you say, you know what? I only work with executives or I only work with high performing CEOs. And this is how, what I help them do. I help them lose weight. And those people are willing to pay you like thousands, tens of thousands, maybe. Um, it's the same problem you're solving, but you just changed the target market. So that, that's part of it as well is your price itself instantly communicates um, the stage of business or the level of affluence that, that your client is in because um, that pricing is going to connect with a certain, you know, the, the type of person that can afford that pricing. Um, so you may keep, you may keep your outcomes the same. You know, as you change your prices, but you find that you're just working your way through different different target markets. Yeah, certainly. I've been brilliantly stated. So, Tyler, as as right, I'm following the progression of what you're sharing, right? Real estate and sales and door to door, which I commend you for that, man. Like virtual high five for for being the guy to go door to door. Like that's the worst. Like I sold used cars was how I cut my teeth, and I still think door to door is worse than used cars. So we all, yeah, we all started somewhere, man. Yeah, it it was rough. Huh? Yeah. Yeah, and when we we branch and we're into now we're, we've walked through the progression. We're, now we're talking about your agency itself, and so Thank I'm you. always curious, right? What are some of the biggest wins for you so far, like in the agency side of things? What are right? I, I won't call it return on ad spend, although we could use that measurable and 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 that you know yeah. yardstick, if you will. But right, there's always the big wins. Yeah, um, I think the 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 coolest case study. Um, which we didn't expect. In fact, it wasn't me who even took the sales call in the first place. It was my partner, Chuck, who, who enrolled this particular client. Um, it's a motorcycle company, and they've got this cool electric motorcycle that um, isn't built yet, doesn't exist yet. They're just pre-selling. They're, you know, they're, they're raising money from investors, 
um, to, to build this thing. But they needed to show that there was interest in it in the first place. Um, so we put together, um, they had some video footage, some videos that we could use to help to promote. So we took these um, videos of, of this hypothetical motorcycle and we just uh, you know promoted these videos. I think it was just Facebook and Instagram or the two platforms we put it on. And we built up this audience of people that watched this video about this, this electric motorcycle um, with an invitation to fill out an application for like the pre-sales, right? Um, and this is like a, a, you know, a long application form. It's not like, hey, just put your name and email here, you know, simple opt-in like that. Like it would take somebody 10 or 20 minutes to fill this thing out. Um, and we looked at our cost of, okay, you know, what it costs to promote the video. We're getting people to watch the video for like five or 10 cents or something like that. And then we're retargeting them and getting them to fill out the application. And we, we got this company applications for like 10 bucks, 20 bucks, 30 bucks. Um, and these are for like putting deposits on a bike that's, you know, doesn't even exist yet. But we basically, uh, within, I think it took, the campaign was like a month or two, maybe two months tops couple hundred applications for these guys and then they could go and show their investors hey look we have all these commitments with people that are you know willing to put a deposit they want the bike so that helped them uh that helped them you know get the funding they needed to to, to pursue that so that was a pretty cool I, I, I didn't and i didn't expect that because we generally don't do physical physical product type stuff or e-commerce stuff um we've been helping mostly like coaches consultants and course creators Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they got lead magnets, they got webinar funnels, they got, they want to just put people on their calendar, but to try to pre-sell a bike, like I, I didn't, I didn't know what was going to come of it, you know, but, yeah. uh, but it, but it worked out. So that was cool. Man, well, and what an incredible time we live in. You think about that, right? You come up with an idea. You're not sure if the idea is going to work. Just like you said, the motorcycle is obviously a physical product, but the same way you started your, right, your agency, same way I started my, my business was just literally posting socially, like, does anybody care about this thing that I think I can solve? If you do kind of raise your hand and we can have a conversation. Dude, I, so I, I use that same, I, like I said, I've become risk adverse. And so that pre-selling uh, strategy, I do that even for my free stuff, man. Like I don't even commit to making a, a lead magnet or a webinar or a worksheet unless I know people want it. So I like every week I'm posting on social, Hey, I'm thinking of making this tracking sheet or this template or this worksheet or whatever. Uh, do you want this? Would this be helpful? And if nobody comments on that, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not making the thing, but if a bunch of people comment, okay, next morning I'll make version one. I'll send it to all those people, message them directly. But then I prove that people want that thing. So then my next step is I'll go make a landing page and some email sequences and, and, and like may, maybe run some ads for it or whatever, but I'm not committing to that whole going down that whole path of even building a funnel for something that I don't know that I haven't proven people want. Of course. Of course. And now, Tyler, at this point, I always like to put out the exclusionary offer, as we call it. Like, sure. what, who are the wrong type of people to reach out yep. to be interested in your service, right? Because I think that's almost as impactful as knowing who you want to work with as knowing who's just not a good fit. Yep. Um, so we will disqualify somebody if generally if they're below below six figures in annual revenue. And it's not so much because of the – it's not that we're picky about how – that we're picky about how much money they're making. It's just that I found the six figure mark is proof of a few other things. It's proof that they know who their market is. It's proof that they have a sales process. It's proof that they have a good offer. If those fundamentals aren't in place, like you, you touched on this in the intro that one, you, you know, you, we're not one funnel away from, you know, from scaling our business always. And it's because before you need it, before you do marketing, advertising, content funnels, all that, fancy stuff, the fundamentals need to be there. 
Um, so I look for those fundamentals first. Uh, as long as those are there, we can have the conversation of, okay, like how do we get you more attention? How do we get you more leads using content? Um, so that's, that's the, that would be like the low, the, the disqualifier on the lower end is if they just, those fundamentals aren't in place um, and there's not really a budget uh, for content creation or ads. Um, and then I, I would think that a, a client would outgrow us not quite at seven figures, but maybe at multiple seven figures when they have an in-house marketing team. Like if they've got full-time marketers on their team that can do it all, then you, you know you, you, you don't really need an agency at that point. Or we might report to your marketer instead of, instead of to you, the CEO. Um, but that sweet spot is like low six figures to low, to low seven figures. Brilliant. Brilliant. I love that. What, what, a, good, what a nice and, and sizable niche. Right. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of people that fit in that market that need this service. Cause I, I mean, we're still working on our system, let alone, right. right. And actually pay attention to this stuff. I think most people don't even know this exists. Right. Right. Well, and, and you know, it's hard to know what to focus on at that stage. Like if you're, if you got a six figure business, like, you know, kudos to you, like you've proven that, you know, what you're doing you know, has value. You're able to get clients. You have something people are willing to pay you for. But I don't think the goal of any entrepreneur should be to make six figures because, um, you, you know, what you, your profit on that is probably going to be less than what you make in a job, you know? So you got to make it the goal to get to six figures, like as quickly as possible to validate your business and then like shoot for, shoot for seven. <laughs> Cause that's when you can start to really impact people. You can, you, you have more money to put in your own marketing. You have, you can hire team members and provide for them. And you know, you're not in survival mode anymore. You're in growth mode at that point. Um, but the question that happens in that transition from like the six to seven figures, what do I focus on? Like there's a million freaking ways to promote a business online marketing even just the online world is already overwhelming where there's 10 different things you could, you could focus on. So, um, I like to, I like to be a part of helping somebody get clarity and it's not, and content marketing is not always the answer. Like it's, it's not, it's not always the answer. Funnels are not always the answer. Like there's no one size fits all kind of marketing strategy that you can hand to every business. You know, there, there is a, has to be a lot of customization based on who they're trying to reach and how that person actually buys you know, some of us are in markets where nobody would watch a damn webinar. You know, that's not how they buy things. So don't do a webinar. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so help, helping be a part of, uh, like, somebody arriving at that clarity of what they should focus on based on their industry, based on their target audience, based on what their product or services. And then we kind of devise a plan of what type of content is, would, would help move the needle, what platforms what, does it make sense to publish their stuff on and promote their stuff on. Um, I, I get excited about having those kind of conversations. Yeah. I love it. I love it. And Tyler, as we, as we put a bow on this together, if you wanted someone listening to remember you, you mm -hmm. Tyler by something, yeah. what would you want them to remember you by? I would say that to remember me as somebody that was, always as helpful as he could be in that, and that operated with integrity, like somebody that you, you could trust would help you whenever you can. I, I love it, Tyler. Thank you so much for your time, my friend. I appreciate getting to know you and your business. And sincerely, thank you for all the wisdom. This was a lot of fun, man. The time flew by. Appreciate it. And uh, yeah, if anyone has any questions or whatever, feel free to reach out. I'd be happy to, uh, to hear from you. I hope this was helpful. <laughs>